Good morning and welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike and it is another rainy Wednesday. Uh, it is, what is today? Something like April 25th, maybe Wednesday morning. I'm on my normal drive through the country out to a kindergarten where I teach kids English all day. Well, a big part of the day. Uh, and yeah, that's my Wednesday, every Wednesday. and. Uh, to use the time uh, better, I have uh, devised this podcast, and it gives me a chance to, uh, without any crutches or notes or books or really preparation, to kind of talk through uh, things that are uh, hopefully theological. Um, uh, and or spiritual, uh, and or sometimes gibberish, <laughs> but such it is, such, such, such as it is, uh, it's helpful to me, uh, because sometimes I get to listen back uh, to uh, what I said, and I can kind of ascertain whether what I say is intelligible or not, because I do talk to people from time to time, about Jesus and about spiritual things, uh, and I find it uh, helpful to uh, know how I sound when I do so. Um, and by the way, I'm coming to you from Japan. Uh, been here for 23 years, over 23 years now. Um, I would, I would call myself a tent maker or self-supported uh, missionary, probably. But even that uh, title or name or whatever, uh, I don't think is really useful because I think, I think any believer in Jesus um, does what I do. Uh, I think, I think if you truly believe, if you truly not just believe in Jesus, but know Jesus. I think that's an interesting um, thing to, uh, an interesting difference to accept. Um, because one amounts to knowing about, and one amounts to knowing to. And you can know about a dead person quite a lot, uh, but you can only know a person who's alive. Um, so I think it's important to know Jesus. And uh, many ways we do that, of course. But I think anybody that knows Jesus and truly trusts Him uh, would be crazy not to share Him with other people. Uh, yeah, you might meet the criteria for loving God with all your heart. Uh, but you wouldn't meet the criteria for uh, loving your neighbor if you were not to share Jesus with them. Uh, something interesting came up on a, uh, a Facebook post. The uh, missionary, uh, missionary slash missions organization person. I'm not exactly sure uh, in what capacity right now he is working, but. Yeah, an interesting post. 
and basically it was about how how missionaries should interact with the local church leaders like in what capacity uh, should they should they serve uh, or really what what should the dynamic of the relationship be and he was quoting a book about cross cross cultural missions and what the book says is that instead of a patriarchal or fatherly type of relationship uh, missionary to local, preacher, for example, or, or local pastor, it should be more like uh, a mentoring role, right? A mentor, mentoree role, missionary to pastor. Uh, and he said this is, this is much more helpful because a mentor comes alongside, walks along with, uh, is more of an egalitarian uh, relationship. It's, it's on more of an equal footing as opposed to a, a patriarchal or fatherly type of relationship. Which is true enough. Uh, but I'm not... There's a couple things that are coming up in my mind right now. Uh, having been in a local Japanese church uh, for some 18 years, um, and I, I was in the capacity of uh, worship leader, Bible teacher, evangelist, um, really what I would call an elder, even though we didn't have elders. I was in the, I was in the inner, inner circle of leadership, uh, all, all as a, a lay, lay person, a lay leader. Um, but I'm not sure even though it sounds good, so many missionaries come on the field with far less um, experience, knowledge, and or training than the Japanese pastors that they are supposedly going to come alongside and mentor. So I think it's kind of presumptuous uh, to say that uh, that a missionary should be a mentor to a Japanese pastor. Most Japanese pastors, I would say far more than half, are probably over 50 years old and maybe even over 60 years old. Uh, and so to presume that a missionary would come alongside a Japanese pastor uh, in that kind of a role, uh, I don't know, it just seems to be seems a bit far-fetched. <laughs> Some Japanese, raining cats and dogs, and this Japanese lady's out with her umbrella pulling weeds. <laughs> That's dedication. Right next to the road where there's a puddle. So I had to avoid the puddle from avoiding, avoiding drenching her. I didn't, to be fair, this, this thought is just coming to me. This is not the initial reason I wanted to explore this uh, post because something else actually came to me. But that's what, you know, that's what this stuff's good for. Um, coming up with uh, 
more in-depth um, points, for example. Anyway, so he, yeah, I, I think it's kind of, the, the author of this book, I think it's kind of presumptuous to say that, that that's, even if everybody involved agreed to that, um, at the very least, it's not going to work if the pastor is older than the missionary. Uh, and even when that's the case, uh, I found that pastors can be fairly proud people, you know, and to, to have the, the foreigner come and, and assume that he's in the mentor role, uh, I'm not sure is, uh, gonna fly. Uh, so just, just from the outset, I would think that there needs to be a meeting of the minds if, if, if a missionary is not doing pioneering and starting a new work. Uh, if the missionary is coming into an established church, then there's going to have to be a meeting of the minds and the, and the hearts uh, to decide, you know, how that's going to work. And generally, I would say in Japan, uh, the pastors are going to, um, the pastor and or the leadership of the church will probably take the upper, upper hand um, in that situation. I feel like they're supposed to. Now, I know we're dealing with uh, missions organizations and we're dealing with uh, denominations uh, where hierarchies are a real thing and, and sometimes maybe even a local church might not have the uh, choice to accept or not accept a missionary being sent by the, by the denomination. I'm, I'm kind of out of the loop on that stuff and I... I uh, don't, don't pretend to know exactly how that works out. Uh, it's just my random thoughts on that. Um, so I would think, yeah, the best way is a meeting of the minds and the, the meeting of a meeting of the hearts, and a mutual working out without any preconceived uh, notions or expectations. A mutual working out of how the relationship is to go and how the roles are to be played uh, in that situation. And being that churches are such such small things in Japan, I think it's quite important that the missionary and the pastor work together uh, in a um, synchronized and uh, synergistic way. But, you know, for the for the pioneering missionary who comes in uh, just for, uh, you know, planting a church, for example, uh, I, I don't think this is applicable. Uh, now, what the Post... I'm going to have to para paraphrase what the Post said because I can't remember exactly. The Post talked about a missionary coming in and modeling the Christian life um, while giving the Christian message. He talked about modeling the Christian life and uh, delivering the, 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 the gospel message or the Christian message. And what I thought was, upon seeing that, first of all, I thought that you can't separate the two. You can't separate... Or, or we shouldn't think of the the Christian message and the Christian life as being two things. 
So my question to his was, cannot the Christian, the living of the Christian life, the living of following, a life followed in the footsteps of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, couldn't that life be the message itself? Isn't, isn't a life transformed by Christ the message we have to, to deliver anyway? Is that not it? moments of Christ's life in the Gospels. Uh, for example, you, well, on the cross is, a, is probably the biggest moment uh, in Christ's life that we remember. But we see lots of moments in Christ's life where he does amazing things. He turns water into wine. He heals blind men. He heals leprosy. He feeds multitudes of people miraculously. There's all of these things, and we see these amazing moments in Christ's life, and we often wonder, why was he able to have these wonderful moments, and why are those wonderful moments not reflected in my life? How come I'm not able to have these amazing moments in my life? And I believe the point that uh, Willard is trying to make in his book uh, is that Christ lived his life a certain way, and a life lived like Christ will be more likely to bring forth these awesome moments, right?
point he's trying to make is that Jesus lived his life in the in the background in such a way uh, that produced these fruits that we call wonderful moments in his life, and that we cannot we cannot think that we're going to ignore the disciplines of the Christian life, but still bring forth the miraculous fruits. Right? We can't assume that that's going to happen. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for letting that person turn off. Delivery truck of some kind. So, that, that's really cool, right? That That's, I think, we're all there. And, and he says it, it happens in sports, it happens in almost any area where discipline is needed to perform at a high level. Uh, people try to imitate their heroes uh, in those bright moments of amazing performance while while ignoring to imitate their heroes uh, in all in the endless hours of practice and study and meditation uh, right so for example I I, I used to, well, I still, to some extent, idolize a basketball player named Larry Bird. He could do amazing things. Uh, and I'm no Larry Bird in basketball. Uh, I'm, I'm a full foot shorter than he is. And Larry Bird was amazing on the court because he was known to have an amazing practice regimen. Uh, to where he would, he would, uh, Constantly shoot, no matter where he was in his career. Even though he was considered one of the best basketball players of his day, um, he he still continued to practice um, and practice and practice and shoot and shoot and shoot. And he was amazing at this stuff, right? He was he was one of the best. Um, but for me to you know grab a basketball and maybe even throw on my Larry Bird Converse. And uh, go outside on the basketball hoop and, and expect to be like him in a moment or in a game. Let's say I play a pickup game with my friends. It's just not realistic. You know, I, I, if I don't put in the hours training, how am I going to perform like a pro, like a champ? Now, that's obvious to most people. But I'm not sure it's that obvious in the Christian life. I think I think we feel like, well, the Holy Spirit now lives in me. I've I've confessed my faith in Christ. I go to church. I I pay my tithe. I take the sacraments. Um, how come my life is not a miraculous wonder? Right? How how come I'm not uh, experiencing experiencing the fruits in my life? that Jesus experienced in his. And so I think we have to look deeper, and this is maybe Willard's point, uh, look deeper at the life that Christ lived around those bright points, right? Around those incredibly miraculous moments. Um, which is a which is an interesting point, right? It's a it's a great point. So so back to the you know how a missionary uh, can model the Christian life um, in a church. 
Well, I think the way to, to model the Christian life successfully is to just put in time with Jesus. You're going to have to put in the time. You're going to have to take the time to immerse yourself in Jesus' life. Uh, whether that's through uh, reading the Bible, uh, prayer, meditation, uh, whether that's in going out into the world and, and practicing the things that Jesus did, Loving people, I think you could sum it up right there. Uh, and the fact that he uh, was humble, right? He did not, he was not uh, materialistic. This is a big thing in today's world uh, that would, right off the bat, I would think, separate us from Jesus. He was, he was a man who had few or no possessions, no home, no land holdings far as we can tell. Uh, and so practicing the disciplines of Jesus, Willard's point is, should help us experience more of the fruits like Jesus experienced. Okay? Um, and again, this is not a salvation issue. Okay? This is the way I think of it anyway. Just because your life your life is not producing miraculous fruit does not mean that you're not saved, that you're not loved by Jesus, that, that your book is not written in the book of life. But it probably means that people around you are not benefiting from the fact that you know Jesus. Right? Another way to say the kingdom of God is probably not progressing in your life or around where you live. Kingdom of God is probably not marching forward because those fruits, right, uh, of a life of discipline, of Christian discipline, the fruits of that life, uh, basically are are what was coming out of Jesus and and the Kingdom of God is another way of saying what was coming out of Jesus. And so, we shouldn't expect to be able to uh, dunk like Michael Jordan if we don't work and practice like Michael Jordan, right? And we shouldn't expect to be able to do all the things that Jesus did if we don't uh, at least somewhat put in the time to follow the disciplines that he followed. And this speaks a lot to the to the human slash divine nature of Jesus and what that meant, right? A lot of people would surmise that because Jesus had the divine nature that he didn't need to follow these disciplines to do the amazing things that he did. That, that because he was God, uh, that's why he was able to do these amazing things. And therefore, we are not God, and we cannot do the amazing things that Jesus did. But on the other hand, if you believe that, that Jesus' human side was very real, uh, and very much a limiting factor, uh, in other words, it limited his, his divine side, his divine nature, 
then you might be able to ascertain that the following of those disciplines was important for even Jesus, right? Uh, that he, uh, in order to be a good person for us to follow, uh, he had to live as we did and be limited by his human nature as we are. Okay? So I think a good theology, uh, a good study on the the nature of, of who Jesus was, right? his divine nature, his human nature, I think a good understanding of that might be a good place to start. Um, but even that's going to lead you into more disciplines that Jesus followed, uh, which would be the, the studying of the scriptures, right? Uh, which would be one place that we know that he did excel at. Well, unless, again, you think that his divine nature gave him immediate access, uh, you know, like, like, like wireless access to the scriptures and all he had to do uh, is uh, think a thought and then he had all that knowledge. Personally, I don't think so. I, th I think that the way that he used scripture was due to his human nature. He had to learn just like everybody else. He had to put in the time. He probably as a boy studied with a local leader and learned the scriptures just like, just like we have to. But that comes from my personal uh, personal opinion that Jesus's human nature was limiting. It limited uh, his divine nature, and that he did not, like Paul says, did not take his divine nature as something to be grasped or hold on to. In other words, he let it go. He let his divine nature go uh, to be fully human and to experience uh, this life as we do. And that's all for our benefit. But that's something you have to come to, right? That, that's that's a it's not going. It's not a it's not a given because that's not how we do it as humans. If, if we had a divine nature, we'd say, "Well, yeah, I'm not going to work. I just want to I just want to have that knowledge at my fingertips and just you know, bada boom, bada bang, um, have miraculous knowledge all the time." Um, so yeah, that, that's something you need to think about. In what ways was Jesus human? In what ways was he divine? Uh, and how does that affect us? So, all right. So, back to the 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 living the Christian life, modeling the Christian life. For me, I, I think a proper modeling of the Christian life in the presence of someone over time is the message we want to convey. That, that Jesus is not just, not just a savior, and the savior part of Jesus is very important, uh, but he's a transformer. He doesn't just save us by writing our names in the book of life. He saves us and the world by righting the wrongs that have been done in the world, right? By fixing what's broken, by redeeming what's lost, 
that happens, yes, I, 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 I hope that it will happen once for all, uh, it will be called the end of days or whatever, but I also think it happens day by day and moment by moment in the world. You know, when we somebody, when we see, see someone who's fallen, and then we get out and help them stand up, that's what that is, right? That's that's righting a wrong in the world. When we see trash uh, that's left on the road, and we get out and pick it up and dispose of it properly, or better yet, recycle it, that's righting what's wrong in the world. Uh, when we go to college and then go to medical school and find the cure for a disease that's righting a wrong in the world. When we feed a hungry person, that's righting a wrong in the world, right? We are we are taking part, we are partnering with Christ in the the righting of all wrongs in the world. Every, every deed you do is part of the kingdom coming out of you. And no, we're not saved by works, but the world will be saved by works, right? It will, it will be saved physically by the things we do, or it will be destroyed by the things we do. You know, for example, uh, <clears throat> oil spills in the ocean. That's something destructive right? That's something humans have done. When you drive a car and you buy gasoline, you're supporting the oil industry. So when the oil industry does something like spills millions of gallons of crude oil into the ocean, thereby damaging the environment, killing animals and fish and plant life, uh, that's a wrong that needs to be righted. Not just an accusation that needs to be made. You know, there's something we can do about that. We can volunteer to help clean that up. Uh, we can also lower our uh, our consumption of oil and gas. We can we can start to uh, break our dependency on gasoline. Uh, all of these things are righting wrongs in the world when. When we see racism in ourselves or in other people, and we try to protect people from racism and try to change the ways we think, we are partnering with Christ and writing the we're, we're being his, his redeeming agent in the world. Which is why Jesus says to Zacchaeus, when Zacchaeus decides to make amends for his life as a tax collector by giving to the poor and paying back what he has gotten uh, dishonestly, what does Jesus say? He says, salvation has come to this house today. Well, what does he mean? What does he mean by salvation? Well, I think you know, the, the typical evangelical Christian would say, well, Zacchaeus has been saved now that he has changed his life, that Jesus has transformed his life. And that may indeed be true. We don't know what happens to Zacchaeus after this uh, auspicious day in his life, after he meets Jesus. 
salvation, I think, that came to that house is the repairing of wrongs, the, the righting of wrongs that were done. Right? When he uses his ill-gotten gains to repay, I think he says up to fourfold. Well, that's salvation, right? We we are saving a little part of the world. People will have some of the money back so that they can then, you know, feed their families or whatever. I don't, I don't know exactly in what way, but I do know that doing something like that is a is part of the salvation that will be done for the entire earth one day, right? It's it's that's what it is, right? It's the, the righting of wrongs. And so to model the Christian life, uh, unfortunately, to a lot of people, means go to church, pay your tithe, uh, and, you know, be a good person. Uh, don't cheat on your taxes. Don't cheat on your wife. Right? Be, be moral. Um, but, man, that, that really sells short. And cripples a life that could have been led uh, by exhibiting the fruits that Jesus exhibited while following the disciplines that he followed in his life, right? So so I think, yes, model the Christian life, that's a great thing, but you, you're going to have to figure out what that is before you can model it. Uh, and I think it's so much more than any of us ever imagined. It is much more, and it can be much, much more. And it, it must be much more if the world is to be saved today, right? In this day and age. Um, yeah, so I'm going to have to stop it there. I'm getting close to my destination, and that's about my normal time frame. And, Look at that, I'm not running as late as I thought I was going to be. That's good. Thanks for uh, listening to all you guys, and uh, yeah, I hope uh, you get something out of this today. Bye-bye.